This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. It was a night of blowouts on the hardwood and the ice yesterday as the playoffs roll on. We have a new favorite to win an NBA title. And the NBA, the NFL, excuse me, is still drawing attention, revealing some early game announcements for 2023-24, even amidst all of that. Hello and welcome into the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM, Stormy Bonantoni and Jonathan Von Tobel with you like we are every Wednesday. You almost Gucci cursed me yesterday, by the way. I'm... Still a little worked up about it, but it's okay. I don't know this. I'm going to show my age. What is a Gucci curse? What did I do? With you texting me about the stars. Oh, is that what that's called? Is that yeah. the term? I mean, that's what some people call it. I, I had I no idea. It. But I didn't see. Okay. I will push back on that because I didn't say anything like really like, we got it. It was no, more. Know. It was you and I did have another text from another friend. Oh, see, then it wasn't did, me. It so, wasn't me. But so, it, was, it was though. All I sent was a star emoji with a tiny S, you know, stars. <laughs> and uh, like, that was it. And that was when they were up. Were they up 5-1 at that time? Yes. Or yeah, something like that. And then it was five two. Or maybe it was four nothing. It was one of those. Something like that. And then it was a two goal deficit. And I was like, better stretch out the collar here because I don't know what's (laughs) happening. And sure enough, they got this. It did turn into a little bit of a nail biter, but the bet came home, and that's all that matters. I had a good day in the NHL yesterday. We will discuss plenty of last night and what's going on ahead this evening in the NHL with ESPN's Greg Wasinski. In about a half an hour, handicapper Harry Gagnon is going to join us as well to give out some plays in hour two. But we're going to start in the NFL, like I referenced. The NFL's full schedule release isn't going to come out until Thursday night, and we here at VEASAN will have a full breakdown all 32 teams discussing that. It's the VEASAN Tonight crew with Matt Humans, Wes Reynolds, Dave Ross is going to join them for three hours beginning at 6 Pacific, 9 Eastern. They're going to break it all down. Um, any odds movement, season win totals, all that stuff. But we had some early morning announcements come through today where the, the holidays, the international games, the NFL is going to ring in the new year with an AFC championship game rematch week 17. Joe Burrow and the Bengals getting three and a half as they travel to Arrowhead 
to take on the defending Super Bowl champs in Patrick Mahomes. We have the first Black Friday game as well. The Jets, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, hosting the Dolphins at MetLife Stadium. That one, an Amazon Prime game. And then Christmas, usually a day for the NBA. JVT Eagles, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against the Giants. Yeah, not a coincidence. And this is what I was getting excited about that I told you would save it. Not a coincidence that on Black Friday, the game will be on Amazon for free, huh? You can just log into Amazon on a Black Friday when all the deals are there, check out a football game for free, and then, oh, by the way, maybe go buy something. Uh, no, look... This is cool. We get some pretty good games. I'm kind of tired of NFC East matchups in prime time, but that's fine. We're <laughs> going to continue to get those. Yes. Um, I, and I, what I'm more interested in, because these are all like standalone games, right? So we don't know the context of what these games are going to look like in the grand scheme of all of these teams' respective schedules. Um, however, the one tidbit that we got released that I'm fascinated by is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the international yes. series, right? Because we're going to get two games Back-to-back weeks for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, over there. They are the first NFL team that will have that opportunity to play back-to-back games in London. They have the Falcons at Wembley Stadium week four and then the Bills at Tottenham Hotspur week five. And, yeah, what kind of advantage does that present for the Jags, right? right? Or is it a disadvantage? I saw this, you know, you could spin it either way, right, which is, okay, is it an advantage to just stay over there and have your opponent come to you, right? But one of the weeks it does not really matter because you're both going mm-hmm. over there. Um, or is it a disadvantage that the Jacksonville Jaguars for two weeks have to be thrust out of their usual flow and be forced to stay overseas for two weeks, right? There's a a fascinating way to look at this in both instances and what that effect is going to be for them like overall because we don't know exactly, again, the context, like where they're going to look like, if they're going to go back home, are they going to get a week off? Remember, you have that choice. Will they take the bye week after they return home from that? Uh, It's pretty interesting. The the trip is never really as hard for Jacksonville as all these other teams. But I am fascinated to see what that dynamic is going to be like, especially that Bills game, having sat back, waiting for them to come to you while you're out there, uh, <laughs> waiting them in Tottenham, and then, of course, <laughs> getting the Bills to come over. I, I, I think it's a really fascinating dynamic. And, of course, just another step toward making them the, I don't know, London Jags. Yeah, every year. But they need something, right? Yes. You also have to <laughs> change. You have to change. I don't know. Look, my, uh, my knowledge on this is not great. I feel like you got to change the mascot if you're going to move to London. Or Jaguars, like they're not moving. Is Stop. is England replete with Jaguars on that island? I don't think that's. The, I don't know if that's the case. I think you're getting a little bit too deep in the weeds here. But I, mm-hmm. I love. I do like the international series. I wonder how the players, just generally speaking, feel about it, especially the ones from Jacksonville having to yep. be out there for two weeks. And I mean, do you, does your family come out? That is a, usually a trip where you see more of the wives and families come along because they're going overseas. But for Two weeks are you coming out there? How's that going to work? Giving up, uh, I mean, I don't know. Are these home games or road games, right? Because that's yeah, the other exactly. thing. So, like, and look, home field is not worth that much anymore in the National Football League. It's probably worth about a point to a point and a half. Uh, but it is just giving up some high-level spots to sit there and then, of course, take on some opponents so that you can sit back and, you know, help out the NFL grow its brand overseas. And we get the dynamic between the ownership and the NFL and why this is actually happening. But as you said, you know, for players who want to win championships – it does suck that our road to a championship does include consecutive mm-hmm. games overseas that we have to take care of here and maybe not as many games in our, um, you know, in our house as we would like. That's you know, a little tough, especially early in the year, which is a little bit warmer right there in Jacksonville. You actually might have a little bit of an advantage. Yep. So overseas games, weeks four or five, and then also week six, the Ravens, a five and a half point favorite early against the Titans. That one also at Tottenham Hotspur. Hotspur. Sheesh. And Tottenham. then in weeks nine and 10 in Frankfurt, 
The Dolphins taking on the Chiefs. Kansas City, a five and a half point favor. Do feel for Tyree Kill that he doesn't get his opportunity to go to Arrowhead in his return. And then week 10, Colts, Patriots, mm-hmm. New England, a five-point favorite in that one. That's the best, best game on the board. Anthony Richardson and You're the so Indianapolis excited. Colts. Uh, I am. I'm geeked out for what that's going to be like. No, so I think as we look at this and we get the point spreads right, and it gives you a sense of where – this is why I like these two, Stormy, because these are all neutral fields. So it gives you an idea of where the market rates these teams on, on a neutral, right? So we can get a sense that, you know, for example, the Patriots about five points better than the Indianapolis Colts on a neutral, than, uh, you know, or than the Indianapolis Colts, right? Same mm-hmm. thing with the Chiefs and where the Dolphins are rated. Chiefs about a five and a half point difference on a neutral between the Dolphins, and you can kind of use these to at least get a start on some market ratings and what you expect from these teams and everything else that is out there to get a sense of where odds makers have these teams power rated and compare them with your power ratings as you get into, you know, the off season, if you have nothing else to lose, but it does give you a sense of where you think these teams are. And I will say this. So go using that as kind of a jumping off point, only three and a half point difference between the Buffalo bills and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Huh? Are they, are they using some sort of home field because they're going to be there for consecutive weeks because I would think as much as Jacksonville is going to be improved this year, if I were to tell you there's only a three, three and a half point difference between a team that many consider a Super Bowl favorite and a team that is favored to win their division, I think a lot of people would push back on that. I would agree with you there. But I we've t- heard so much about the Buffalo Bills being a team that could potentially take a little bit of a step back as well. And they had so many issues with injuries defensively last year. Von Miller obviously mm-hmm. injured as well. We did have a report, by the way, um, about Von Miller from The Athletic saying that he could be in jeopardy of missing the start of the season. Mind you, he's coming off that torn ACL he suffered in late November of last year. And just thinking about his age and how important he'll be to the Bills and the back end of the season as they try to make another playoff push, maybe not rushing him and go on the PUP, the physically unable to perform list early on in the year where you know you're going to miss those first four games and then get worked into the fold later. He did have a great start before that injury, eight sacks in 11 games. Um, but the Bills, though, a team, though, that's, that's getting older and their window mm-hmm. getting shorter. Yeah. No, I, I mean, look, you're going to give Von Miller the NBA treatment, right? We want you ready for the postseason. We don't care about the regular season. Uh, let's get you ready to go so we can give you, you know, everything we can in terms of these high leverage spots. But, but I think you bring up an interesting point, which is, is the market a, a little bit lower on Buffalo coming into this year than it was last year? Health is a big part of it. You mentioned the edge rusher position being banged up, specifically Von Miller. Remember, their secondary was decimated yeah. by injuries, too, and was falling apart. Uh, at one point, especially at the back end of the year. So I'm fascinated by this. And also, look, I think the Bills are a fascinating team regardless because Josh Allen, and not because he's one of the best quarterbacks, he is. Uh, he's a very volatile quarterback, right? You have those games where you can commit six turnover-worthy plays <laughs> and kind of screw your team over, and it leads to a loss that you probably should not take. So uh, this is always going to be a, a polarizing team, but getting a sense of where their power rate it is pretty interesting. Or or a sense of where Jacksonville is power rated, right? That the market might be a little too high on Jacksonville or it's too low on Buffalo. But either way, that's like one of two lines that kind of sticks out to you that might not make a little sense. The other, care to guess? What? Which one to you? Ravens. Ravens and Titans. I think the Titans are going to stink this year. I think the Titans are a candidate to have the worst record in the National Football League. And uh, only five and a half on a neutral for the the Baltimore Ravens, I think, is a short number. Hmm. That's all. So it's interesting because just the thought of the Ravens without Lamar Jackson, I was very, very down on them. I was like, the Ravens are mm-hmm. going to be absolutely awful. And then he comes back and everybody's like, you know what? Actually, they could really be a contender this year again. But the, but but when it comes to Tennessee, I completely understand what you're saying there. And there's not a ton of reason for optimism. Mm-hmm. And even in the quarterback room, things are a little bit dicey right now. We don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, 
So in, when I say like a candidate too for the Tennessee Titans had the worst record because they've been a team that's played with fire for a while now, right? Like if you look at like a lot of the stuff like the DVOA metrics when they were winning a bunch of games, point differential, any of these indicators that tell you what a team's long-term success will look like, every number was screaming at you, this team's not very good, right? And then it finally kind of falls apart for them last season. Uh, I, I'm really interested, and this is an opportunity for anybody if you feel like me, right? If you feel like the Tennessee Titans are a team that should be power rated lower, you can, if you want to, invest in five and a half now. This thing could be seven by the time we get to this game. What is it, week six, week seven? It's a little bit later in the season, so we'll have an opportunity, too, to have a larger sample size of data, but it's a pretty good chance that that number might be closer to a touchdown or over a touchdown with these two teams. Meet. Yeah, that one's week six, and if you yep. do think that that I mean, if they could be a contender for the worst record in the NFL, that there's going to be odds that are put out yes. for that at some point for who's going to be that team. Be interesting to see where they stack up among some of those other lesser than teams we know are usually at the bottom. Um, also, I'm ex I'm just excited in general for all of the the schedule to come out on Thursday and see how many of those pre-scheduled primetime games the Jets have. Are they like you have to imagine oh, they're going to they're going to well because you can get up to six, right? No, it's every you week. can be scheduled five, and then you can get a six with the flex. So they're gonna get all five. Right They'll away, probably right? remember. Was it the Broncos last year? Oh, don't let they, it be had, like that. Though. Right? They had like don't I think all like that. all five of their primetime games were like in the first ten weeks of the season. It was it was brutal. Maybe it'll be like that. Oh gosh, I just. But if the Jets are good, I wouldn't mind it. It's just that the Broncos were so brutal to watch on a week in right. and week out basis that it wasn't good. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to the NBA. I lost the. Sucker of all sucker bets yesterday. We'll discuss that and more on the other side. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID. Open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials. Every day of the week, visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I said before the break I lost the sucker bet of all sucker bets in the NBA yesterday, and I did. Who doesn't love a Celtics-Nuggets money line parlay? Mm. Two home teams in bounce-back game fives. Womp womp. Did not go my way. Yeah. the um... Thanks a lot, Boston. Boston Celtics have some issues and the betting market doesn't really seem to be budging too much because they're two point favorites on the road against the uh, Philadelphia 76ers for game six and a potential closeout. But again, so this is something I, you know, I wrote about it yesterday. We talked about it yesterday on follow the money, which is you cannot trust this Boston defense at this point to show up. They have given you no indication that they would be consistent in the way that they performed. And sure enough, yesterday, when you look at it, Offensive rating, 121.1 for the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid and James Harden go out there, perform extremely well, but for the most part, it was actually Tyrese Maxey this time yeah. that came up in the backcourt for the 76ers. 30.6 triples. Dude, he was, he was awesome. Awesome. 6-12 from three-point range overall. You mentioned the six total made shots. Uh, Joel Embiid getting to the free throw line 11 times. So this like that was the problem, right? Again, you're a team that defensively has not shown up since game two of your win uh, of your series against the Atlanta Hawks. Then, to combine that, your offense completely disappears. You know, I was showing you some of the tracking data, right, and some of the stuff that I like to look at. You know, in that game yesterday, Stormy, the Celtics generated, let me double-check this number here, 13 wide-open three-point attempts. Not a massive amount, but still a decent amount. They only made three of them. They shot three of 13 on attempts in which there was not a defender within six feet. The offense completely disappeared. Al Horford was abysmal. And so if you're going to continue to play inconsistent defense and then all of a sudden not show up on offense, this is what you get. You get a 3-2 series deficit now. And look, you want to give them, I guess, some credit. This is the exact scenario that they faced. I think it was against Milwaukee, right? They were down 3-2 last year, went on to win the next two and uh, beat the Milwaukee Bucks. But I don't know what you've seen from Boston over the course of this series that would say two things. One, that they're capable of doing it. And two, that they're deserving of laying one and a half, two points on the road against Philly. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the 76ers led by as many as 21 in this game. Yep. The final score ends up being 115-103. Total does go over that 213.5. But for the Celtics, to your point, this is their 25th loss as a favorite this season. It's like every time they're in this position, they can't be counted on, which is crazy to me. And because of that, I mentioned it off the very, very top of the show. We have a new favorite to win the NBA title now. Celtics no more after the 13-point oh loss. Um, they were a seven-and-a-half, eight-point favorite in that game. Boston now trails the set. And depending on the book, for a moment, the Sixers were the short shot. Then it was the Lakers. Mm -hmm. The Nuggets have supplanted both at most books. BetMGM has the Lakers and Nuggets both as three-to-one favorites now. Yeah, and look, that's given their status, right? Like the Lakers are essentially on to the Western Conference Finals. We say essentially, they got a 3-1 series lead, uh, the most likely team of the teams at the top to make it to their conference finals. So once you get to the conference finals, this thing will settle out, and I'm sure the 76 will be the second shot to win the NBA championship. Uh, but either way, like this is aptly priced in the 76ers. Look, they're a really good team. Like it's time to give them their due. When you have a dynamic duo of Joel Embiid and James Harden that can operate offensively like they can, this is going to be a team to be reckoned with, and especially when, I believe at least, the team that's coming out of the second half of the bracket, 
be it Miami or New York, more, more than likely Miami, I know Michael feels differently, uh, is an extremely flawed <laughs> team that should lose, right? I, well, I had to bring him up. He, yeah, Michael's been preaching about that. He's like, if they have to face Miami, they're done. I, I, I've never, I don't know, like, is Michael, was he mad or happy that they won yesterday? I haven't talked to him. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I, know, I, I, never I That's know. why I always have to remind him in quotes, like, you're a fan, Michael. Right. It's okay. You're allowed to be happy when they win, when they do things well. Like, I've, I've got a future on the 76ers win the finals. I think I'm happier than the guy who, like, was born and raised and loved the Philadelphia 76ers for his entire life. Dave Chappelle and Michael Lombardi. Those are the two big 76ers fans I know. Um, so I, I think you know like, Dave Chappelle personally, uh, no, no, that's a good point. No, <laughs> uh, I was surprised. Our, our producer, Brian Ortega had some game the other day where he was like naming off famous celebrities, fans of teams. I guess Dave, I guess okay. Chappelle's a big 76ers fan, but I, I think I when you look at this again, are the Celtics capable of doing it? Yes, but there has been no consistency to their defensive game. They've been nowhere near the team they were last season and offensively. And this is like the sneaky thing about yesterday, right? Their offense had been great. But Boston's offense is inherently tied to their three-point shooting. And if those shots aren't going down, your offense completely disappears. And sure enough, what happens? You shoot 32.4% from three. You have an offensive rating of 108.5, and you lose the game by double digits on your home floor, despite the fact that you were supposed to, as you were you know, favored, to take a 3-2 seriously. We'll see how things play out tomorrow. 76ers with the advantage in the series heading back home, looking to break the league's second longest drought of playoff appearances without reaching the conference finals. It's been 12 straight Seasons. Uh, Suns Nuggets as well. Nuggets win 118 102. They cover as a six and a half point favorite at home. Total stays under 227 and a half. The 16 point victory behind more brilliance from their star, Nikola Jokic. And I don't just mean um, his interaction with Matt Ishbia before the game. I thought that was yeah, pretty yeah. well done, though, I will say. Yes. Yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> uh, and I think he asked him for money, which I would too. I think it's ridiculous that Ishbia did not get fined. Um, so I think, look, first off, we learned, shockingly enough, Devin Booker's human. Uh, he cannot continue. At one point, I think he started the game four or five. And I was like, dude, are we doing this again? Like, he had like 11 <laughs> points. It was four or five from the floor. Uh, he hit that ridiculous runner at halftime uh, from the half court that you thought was going to make it. But ultimately, he got ruled um, he didn't get it off in time. But this is kind of what you finally saw here was two things, right? It was one the Denver Nuggets role players, as we say the cliche all the time, Stormy, right? Role players tend to play better at home, and you got that from some of these other players. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Porter Jr., for example, his best game of the series, 19-8-2 on 7-11 of shooting. He was 5-8 of eight from three-point range. Contavious Caldwell-Pope contributed a little bit, but it was Bruce Brown off of the bench with 23 points, 5 on 6-10 of 10 shooting. So the guys that failed to show up on the road showed up here for Denver. The other part is, as we've talked about with the, with the Phoenix Suns, in the first two games of this series – in Denver, they got a combined, in the first two games, 21 points from their bench, the Phoenix Suns. The bench didn't really come to play in this game either. He didn't get much. Terrence Ross gave you nine off of the bench, but Landry Shamit was nowhere near the guy he was at the end of game four. Same thing, TJ Warren gave you four, but he was over from three-point range. And you didn't get any other contributions from the, some of the guys that got in this game. So again, as we go back to Phoenix, do we get the patented like, hey, role players play better, Phoenix is going to force game seven, and the Nuggets close you out? I would be very much of the mindset of somebody who bet Denver money line to both of those games yeah. that the Nuggets are going to close this thing out in Phoenix. Like you should not, as a, I can't remember who said it, play with your meat, as they say. Play with your uh, food or yeah, whatever, yeah. Yeah, uh, when it comes to being able to close out a team that you are deeper than and a team that right now you have an advantage over, and that would be the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I think it's going to be too big of a hill to climb for Phoenix at this point. But so history tells us, that in series tied at two, game five winners are usually a pretty good indication of the way the series will go. Is that kind of your indication in general now, though, that this is this is the Nuggets to lose? It's in their hands. Nikola Jokic, 
put up another triple double. Keep it going, my man, because you're leading this team to victory. Yeah, like I, I think it should be. By the way, it was Doc Rivers who used that phrase "play with your meat" instead of playing with your food. Oh. Uh, it was it was during the Brooklyn okay. series. I was making a reference. I missed that um, one. Sorry. No, it's all right. I was I wanted to make sure that nobody thought I was just using an appropriate inappropriate term. So, like, I, I would agree with that. And, like, Jokic has been the best player in the series, man, outside of Devin Booker. He's been awesome. They haven't had an answer for him. They're they're sending all sorts of different stuff. It's Shock Landale. It's DeAndre Ayton, right? Ismac Biombo hasn't had a chance in this series. There's just no stopping him. So, if you get, like, just a little bit better production from anybody that's not named Nikola Jokic when you go to Phoenix, this should be a, a series which ends on the road for the Denver Nuggets. Now, we still have, obviously, Lakers-Warriors that are coming up tonight in the West. But, in your opinion, are the Nuggets the best team in the West? I think so, especially if you're factoring in home court. I don't think there's a massive gap, uh, but I do think that the Nuggets would be favored in the series over the Los Angeles Lakers and are the most probable Western Conference finalist uh, or champion, I should put it that way. Now, uh, the degree, again, to which they're favored are the Lakers, I'm, I'm assuming the series price is going to be no higher than like $1.40, so it's going to be pretty tight, but they they are the best team of the West, yes. We're going to preview both of the games tonight, Lakers, Warriors, and Knicks Heat a little bit later on in the program. But we, on Follow the Money yesterday, talked a little bit about that magical Corgi and how it has been nails in selecting these games. Had each game winner so far in Warriors-Lakers selected correctly. And what that little Corgi has moving forward is win after win after win for the Golden State Warriors to come back and get this thing done in seven. Um, I don't know about you, but I think we're running the Go Bet Warriors plus 390 to win the series, right? <laughs> uh, we got it. You see? And like go. I said, we've nailed it. So he's nailed it. She. Is Wait, it a she? Did you find I, out? I don't know. I don't. Again, I don't want to assume. Uh, one, so Lakers won game one. Warriors came back one game two. They went to L.A. They won the two in L.A. But look at this, huh? Three straight. And as we've talked about, too, uh, the flight of the ball, I think, is the type of victory so, you know, the back and forth, it's probably a little bit more tight. But that uh, game six victory in L.A. looks like the Warriors are going to blow them out. I, I'm i not sure how I feel about that one specifically. The spread in the game coming up is six and a half. I do feel like the Warriors are going to win the, this game. I'm just not sure. You sound that I, confident. I, I think that they're going to win the game. I don't think that they're going to cover the number necessarily, or at least not confidently enough to bet it. Um, but 7-2 and two in elimination games for the Warriors under Steve Kerr. Maybe they get another one to add to that record tonight. we got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll turn our attention to the NHL. Some interesting results yesterday. We'll break it all down with ESPN NHL analyst and senior reporter Greg Wyshynski. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line, live from Circa Resort and Casino. Remember, I mean, with everything going on over the next 30 days, VSIN's here to help you out. And for a limited time, we have a special going on, just $9.99. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber. That gets you insight into daily baseball best bets, the NBA and NHL postseason. Only VSIN Pro subscribers get access to the daily recap of top plays made by every VSIN show host and guest. Tools like our betting splits let you see where the money and bets are moving for every game, as well as a top VSIN experts leaderboard where you can view betting records, Profit and ROIC, which VSIN expert has the hot hand? Again, just $9.99. Check it out at vsin.com slash subscribe. And speaking of those NHL playoff games, last night was a fun one. Some interesting and unexpected results. Tonight, two more awesome games on tap to help us break it all down. We bring in Greg Wyshynski, the go-to guy for all things hockey over at ESPN, reporter and NHL Senior writer at the network, at Wyshynski on Twitter. And I thought I had a lot of crazy letters in my last name. Greg, you may have me beat. 
Yeah, but you have an awesome, you know, memorable first name, uh, whilst I believe I'm named after a pope from the 1970s. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think you got me beat there. Beautiful. Be- we'll call it a wash. How about that? A push on the names. Um, but listen, blowouts and high scoring hockey. Oh, my. What happened to getting to the playoffs and having tight checking close games? We have not seen that really very much here in round two. No, we haven't. And, and I think it's interesting to watch teams like Edmonton and New Jersey in particular and how they respond to adversity. Like you could see as things weren't working out for Edmonton uh, against the Vegas in game three, that they kind of got boo-booed faced a little bit. They kind of got a little bit slumpy shouldered, a little bit down. And, and all of a sudden the game becomes a blowout. In Jersey last night, losing 6-1 to the Hurricanes, I, I talked to Dougie Hamilton, a defenseman for the Devils, and he said, you know, one of the things about this team is that when things start to go wrong and when they fall behind by multiple goals, you know, it, it gets deeper and deeper, the hole. And, and you could see it, you know, in, in, the, in the losses they've had in these playoffs, um, and there's been six of them now, uh, the Devils have been outscored 32 to 7. So, you know, when, when things start going wrong, they start really going wrong for this team. And I think it's sort of indicative of, them being a, a young squad making their first foray into the playoffs for the for the first time since 2018. Yeah, I, I uh, got up, prepared my plate for dinner, and I came back, and it was five one. I was really surprised <laughs> yeah. about well, it. Uh, happened fast. Yeah, like it happened really fast. Uh, it was door, you know, DoorDash got a little sushi last night. Uh, so, Greg, so what's what's the uh, plan here for New Jersey's move forward? Like you know, you mentioned it gets out of hand. Is then. Does that lead us to believe that maybe these results, as lopsided they are, as maybe not as lopsided, right? Like maybe they just tend to kind of take the foot off the gas, see the writing on the wall, we're done here, and that they can play this a little bit tighter? What are the hopes of New Jersey to pull this series out, if at all? Yeah, I think that's part of it, right? Like in the losses that we've seen, there, there was no pushback in those losses. And you have to imagine facing elimination, one loss ending their season. You'll, you will see pushback in game five, no matter what the score looks like. The, the real issue for the Devils right now is, is you know, the two games in Carolina, the Hurricanes got all the matchups they want, uh, which means that they can get the matchups they want against Jack Hughes, who's obviously been the Devils' best player. He didn't score a point in Carolina. Uh, he, he, was, he had uh, five points uh, in those games in Jersey. So, you know, it's going to be a tough hill to climb for the Devils in the sense that they're going to have to find ways to score that they hadn't been able to in the previous two games in Raleigh. And, and really see if they can find a level of compete. I mean, the bottom line for the Devils is that in Game 3, they won almost all of the individual battles for pucks, and they were very careful with the puck and played smart. In Game 4, the Hurricanes out-hustled them, made some good tactical changes, and really put the Devils on their heels. So we'll, we'll see what kind of moves they can make uh, in Game 5, because obviously whatever they came out to try to do in Game 4 didn't work. And Kraken Stars, we've got a series now, both teams trading haymakers through four games. They exchanged blowouts the last two in Seattle. Now you go back to Dallas with the series tied at two. Like, how on high alert should this Dallas Stars team be with the Kraken? Because a lot of people, I think, coming into the series thought, wow, you get the incredible emotional win in round one over the defending champion Avalanche. The road probably stops against the Stars. But they've been scoring at a really insane rate, and their speed had been tough for the Stars. Yeah, you know, I, the, the Kraken have some fight in them, you know, and, and part of the reason is I think they have upwards of 13 or 14 players that have at least three points, 10 players that have at least two goals. They get contributions from throughout their lineup, and, and they keep pushing. I mean, I, I felt really good for the Kraken and their fans 
with them cutting that lead to two goals late in game four and, and, and really kind of putting the pedal down to try to make something happen and, and maybe tie the game. It didn't work out for them by that time. The game was sort of spoken for by how good the stars had been. Um, you know, for Dallas, though, I thought that was a real statement win. Uh, you know, C- Seattle was, was digging their claws in. They were trying to come back in that game to close them out was important. Um, you know, Dallas, I think, recovered quite well from what was a pretty embarrassing game three loss and, and now goes home with an opportunity to really, you know, put a stamp on this series against a team that has a lot of veteran players, um, but as a team is obviously still making its first foray into the playoffs. So as we look at this now, and this is 2-2, what would you make the chances that Dallas actually just goes on and wins two straight and kind of ends this thing pretty quickly? Because one of the cases that I made, Greg, was like, hey, look, Miro Haskinen goes down in that previous game. Your defense kind of falls apart, but now he's back. You get that win here, and you mentioned you get to go back home. I feel like this is slowly, and coupled with the way the market prices Dallas, slowly heading in the direction of maybe Dallas ripping off three straight overall and getting this thing out. Well, my argument is I have Dallas minus a game and a half in my parlay. So uh, obviously I think they'll close it out in six, <laughs> but uh, no, but I mean, you know, it, again, like uh, to, to the heist, the thing is the big deal for me. I mean, if, if he doesn't play last night, that's probably a totally different game. He comes back to the lineup um, and plays 30 minutes. I mean, he's their most important player in my opinion. And he played really well last night. And, you know, with him in the lineup and, and with some of the little tweaks that they've made and moving guys around, I think it all worked out nicely for them last night. So um, they come back to Dallas with a ton of momentum and a ton of confidence, thinking that maybe they've they've righted the ship after a real hiccup in game three. Here with ESPN's Greg Wyshynski, as we look to the two games coming up tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs, after breaking that round one curse, find themselves on the brink of not only elimination, but a possible sweep against the Florida Panthers. They are an ever so slight favorite with their backs against the wall in sunrise tonight. What's your gut tell you here? Do they extend the series for another game or should everybody in Florida get the brooms out here? <laughs> I mean, is it brooms or rakes considering? It's there you the go. <laughs> um, I, uh, I listen, I think, I think the Panthers close it out tonight. I was, I was as surprised if you were to, fire up the the apps this morning and see the the beefs as a slight favorite i mean i think probably that has to do with the idea that there's going to be desperation and and all that and probably the idea that that joseph wall their young goalie could could make a difference i mean i thought he's played well in the times he's he's popped into the crease for them i thought he played okay in in the previous game i don't think that was necessarily on him um but you could kind of feel how this one's going to go tonight like it could be an early leafs lead they can't get that second goal. The Panthers tie it up. Then the Panthers go ahead, and now it's panic. And then, you know, you see a, a puck line win for the Panthers. Like, you can kind of see that happening in this game. And, and full marks to Florida. I think there's two teams that have progressively gotten better as, this, as the postseason has gone on. Florida's one of them. Seattle's been the other one. But the Panthers, you know, they, they beat the Bruins on the strength of the Matthew Kachuk line. Then the Barkoff line gets going. Now the defense is scoring. And then in this series, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky has been the best thing for them in this series, which I don't think anybody really anticipated, especially his play in games one and two. So they're peaking at the right time. The Leafs obviously know that their goose is cooked. Um, and, and so I, I think it's going to be closed out tonight. So, Greg, we'll, we'll get, it, get you out of here on this. What's the big difference between Brassois and Aiden Hill, if there is any? I was asking Stormy this the other day because we're seeing about a 10, 15 cent price difference from the last game to this game for Edmonton and Vegas. But if you're somebody who believes there's not a big difference, why charge about 15 cents more? Is there actually value coming back here on Vegas? <laughs> I think Brassois is a better goalie, personally. Okay. I, I think I think he's, you know, I, I give Hill a ton of credit. I thought he played really well coming in 
in relief uh, for Bassois in, in, in game three and played really well. But, but again, you know, a guy that comes in and a spot start kind of deal, it's not necessarily going to inform what happens in the next game. And, and if nothing else, I think it's more about like what people are anticipating from Edmonton. Um, you know, the idea that they're going to be the one that makes the adjustment, that they're going to be the one that gets their game. And hopefully for their sake, they're the one that gets more than one power play for the majority of that game. That's really what submarine them in game three, where all of a sudden, and, and again, this, this happens sometimes, this is my conspiracy theory side. This happens sometimes when a, when a team is really good on the power play is that sometimes you see the referees put the whistle away because they know, okay, if I give Edmonton two power plays, they're going to score on one of them because they're clicking at 56%. Right. So I think that might've worked uh, against them in that game as well as the, the hesitancy to really kind of give Edmonton uh, a number of power plays, knowing what's going to inevitably happen in, in a tightly played series. We only have a few seconds here, but have you heard anything about who's going to be in net tonight for Edmonton, Stuart Skinner, or Jack Campbell? I'm not on that series, so I, have, I, I haven't, honestly. Um, but, I mean, I was just checking the numbers, and for goalies that have played uh, a minimum of eight games in the postseason, Stuart Skinner's got the lowest save percentage at 888. So if they did make a change, it really wouldn't be that much of a surprise. Greg, you are awesome. Thank you so much for doing this and great work as always with everything you're doing in the postseason. Yep, anytime. Thanks for having me. Greg Wyshynski at Wyshynski on Twitter. Um, check him out on ESPN. I mean, he's everywhere. He's on SportsCenter. He's on Daily Wagers. Doing, doing awesome stuff. We've got to step aside, but we will wrap up Hour 1 on the Lombardi Line next. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know... What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Skyer Shot every Wednesday at BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Place a $25 home run prop wager on any game and you'll receive a $10 bonus bet. All you got to do, log into your account and opt in or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to swing for the fences on MLB Call Your Shot Wednesdays. Just one more reason why the king of sportsbook is the best place to bet on baseball. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to please bet responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing 
existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Washington, D.C. No Michael Lombardi today, but he'll be back tomorrow. We got the one and only Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT, with us as we do always on a Wednesday. And time to continue some of the news and notes around the National Football League today, JVT. We saw a report over uh, the last couple of days that Fox Sports' Ben Arthur writes that Malik Willis is probably the odd man out as long as Ryan Tannehill is in that quarterback room for the Tennessee Titans, said the Titans don't typically keep three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. Adding Levis, has, adding Levis in the draft has all but thrown away any, quote, quarterback of the future thoughts for Willis. And, I mean, that might have also been the nail in the coffin for a certain GM who is no longer with the Tennessee Titans as well. Yeah, uh, and look, Willis got some run last year, and there was no really massive positives. If you look at it, a PFF passing grade of 39.8, over 79 dropbacks, committed a decent amount of turnover where he plays over short sample size. You just didn't really see a bunch. I mean, you you saw the athleticism, that, that popped off, but for the most part, when you're talking about his future as a quarterback in the National Football League, it did not seem like that was much there. And even you go back to that Kansas City game, right? It was more about what the Titans defense was doing in that game to keep that tight more than it was about Willis, who in that matchup went 5 of 16 on 22 dropbacks and still committed um, you know, quite a few, we'll call them negative plays. So I, I think when you spend another high-round pick on a guy like Will Levis, who has the potential at the top of if he you know pans out to be a lot better, I think it makes some sense that, hey, look, maybe we gave this a run. You were about a, what was he, a third round pick last year? Mm-hmm. Uh, or excuse me, 2022, I guess we'll call last year, just this past one. I think it's uh, exactly what you expected. It's not a massive first, it's not a massive first round pick. You can easily move off of them. In eight games last season, 31 of 61, 276 yards, no touchdowns, three picks, and a QBR of whopping 12.4. Not very good. Yes. Um, but to your point, yeah, if you draft another quarterback relatively early in back-to-back seasons. Probably not a sign that the quarterback room is doing awesome. What do you think happens with Ryan Tannehill, though? I mean, shoot, too. Look at the Cardinals. They spent a first-round pick on Josh Rosen, the Rosen one, as I call him, uh, and then moved on really quickly and got to Kyler Murray. I I don't think that this – I don't know what to expect from Ryan Tannehill. I don't think that this Tennessee Titans team, as we kind of build on what I was talking about as a potential for this team to have the worst record, I think if you're rolling Tannehill out there, you're not really – there's not a lot there. When, when Tannehill was at his best, this was a team that was still working off of Derrick Henry, which they're going to this year, but also like a ton of play action. Your wide receiver core was way better than it is at this point right now. You know, of course, A.J. Brown, not there anymore. I think when you're talking about what the Titans can be as a team who was playing with fire, was winning one-score margins, and being on the positive side of that variance, this is just a team now that's roster is devoid of a ton of talent, who's got a quarterback who's aging and declining, and who I think quicker than not is going to pull the plug and see what you have in Will Levis. The best development you can get, I think, for young quarterbacks, Stormy, is to put them in the line of fire. See what they have. Like, I think that's what the Colts are going to do with Anthony Richardson. I think you have to, especially with a guy like Anthony Richardson specifically, Mm -hmm. just because he's played so few games at the college level even. Like, he needs to play to get better. And then you go back to, uh, like, this is an old reference, but Peyton Manning, his rookie year. And I think we brought this up. I don't know if it was here with Pritch or maybe it was the day I was on with Femi. But we brought this up with Pritch. Like, Peyton Manning in his rookie year went out there and threw a crap ton of interceptions and looked pretty bad. But why? Because you want to get the feel of being a quarterback. And it's the same thing here. If you're a team that sees the writing on the wall for the Tennessee Titans and we're, let's say, one in five in our first six games, 
Let's just put Will Levis out there. Let's allow him to make mistakes. Let's let him see what an NFL game is like for the rest of the season and let him work those issues out as you move forward. And I think that's what you're going to see. And I think that's why this Tennessee team is a good candidate to go under their win total and a good candidate at the right price to have the worst record in the NFL. Yep, that win total set at 7.5, juice to the under at minus 130. The only challenge, though, looking at these AFC South Division finishing position ones, you think on the surface, okay, the Titans are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, 3-1 to one for them to finish worse than the division, but you don't really know what you're going to get out of the Texans either. And the Colts, there are question marks, although I know you, you're optimistic as a fan. But I think, so the difference would be, and again, you could take this to your point, take it with a grain of salt because I am a fan of the team, and so I will tend to see things, you know, the positives, I think a little bit better, but would you, would you agree that the Colts at least have a better roster than that of the Titans yes. or the Texans? So there's the potential that the upsides there, because the players around them specifically, specifically on defense are better than what those two other teams have. So I think when you're looking at it, I, I know that you mentioned this when we were during the break that you think the Texans are going to be a little bit better. I, I would tend to agree. Can't get much worse than where you finished last year. And so if you're putting that all together, I wouldn't say no to the Titans finishing fourth in this division. The Colts do have the better roster. I think that's going to be enough to maybe finish second in a division that's pretty poor. The Texans are better in terms of their talent. That should be enough to push them past. And these are a bunch of coin flip spots when they play one another. And uh, when you're looking at it, I don't think they would say no to that. Sticking with the theme of young quarterbacks, Lions head coach Dan Campbell said on the Greenlight podcast that the 2023 season is going to be like a redshirt year for his new quarterback in Hendon Hooker. He said it's going to be a long time before the team knows if Hooker will be a potential successor to Jared Goff, but he, quote, said... There is something about him that was appealing, looks the part, big arm, and especially liked the fact that Hendon Hooker was older. He said, I think you want your quarterback to be more mature. He is mature. Hooker, 25 years old at the time he was drafted, likely going to be 26, or as our producer Steph Kamershack said, around what, like 40 in NFL years <laughs> based on, on that. I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson is 26 right now. Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow. 26 Jalen hurts who just secured the big contract 24 and yeah, he's, he's older, but he, he brings some maturity with him over from Tennessee. So he does. This has always been, it goes back to what we talked about during the draft, which is why I very much push back on him being a first round pick. If you're 26, when it comes to developing as an athlete, theoretically, like realistically, how much better are you getting as a, as a player? I, I wonder how, what that ceiling really is. You would think that by the time you reach 26, you're probably pretty close to your athletic ceiling. Maybe you get better as a passer. I, like, I don't know if that's going to be the case. But again, going back to like what this is, if you're the Lions, sure. He's there at the third round. Let's take him. And if he develops into something, then, hey, cool, great. It's the same thing with the Titans. They just spent a third-round pick well, on Malik Willis. It's not like Hendon Hooker was a bad quarterback. At the time that he was injured in November, he was like leading all of college football sure. in a number of statistical categories. But I get that he you know played in a certain system at Tennessee that – makes you look better at times than necessarily you might be as an actual passer, but he, he was good. I'm curious about um, the timeline of when we're actually going to like see him practicing and being mm -hmm. able to do things with the team coming off of the injury. I know that his doctors in the draft were telling everybody he'll be good to go right. week one. But... I, said, I read a report they'd be ready by camp, so who knows if that's yeah. going to be the case. And look, maybe he gets in at the end of the year. The, the, the Lions, a lot of people like the Lions. They're the, the favorite in the NFC North. Uh, they're a team that a lot of people are picking as a dark horse to win the Super Bowl. I very much disagree with it. But if everything pans out, maybe they're you know sitting on 14 wins. By the time you get to the last week of the regular season, he can get out there and, and play a regular season game. I just think that this is more about taking a flyer on a young quarterback, young-ish, 
see if he develops and if he doesn't. And I don't mean to discredit him as a player because you're right. The numbers were there. I think you hit the nail on the head, though, which is in a system that doesn't really push you as a quarterback in terms of reads, decision-making, when it's just one step, one read, get rid of it. It's There's questions why the name escapes me, but his offensive tackle went in the first round. There's questions about why he uh, was going to be a first-round pick. So I just think that overall, I'll put it this way. What would you make the odds that Hendon Hooker is their starting quarterback of the future after Jared Goff's whatever it is? Would you make it the favorite? No, it would right. be. It, yeah. So, okay, I get what you're saying, but I still like it. I think that it's it's a good backup plan for now, and you just kind of see what happens. Mm-hmm. But uh, last one here. I know we only have about a minute left, but um, Jets offensive uh, – <laughs> Jeff, offensive coordinator. It's weird to see that, that he's no longer head coach anymore, but it keeps on escaping me. Nathaniel Hackett said that it's going to take a little bit of time, some growing pains, pains adding Aaron Rodgers to the fold. He said potential is one of those fancy words that just means we haven't done anything yet, which is right. But when you're bringing in a four-time MVP quarterback who you have familiarity with, mm. who you're bringing in all of his buddies, and you have all of this young talent around him, and he's going to be here for off-season camp, I don't think there should be a lot of growing pains. And look at what Tom Brady did with Tampa Bay when he came in there. Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford, who's not Tom Brady, he did that with the Los Angeles Rams with talent around him. No growing pains. I agree with you. I agree. This is uh, setting up, setting it up nicely, right? It's like, hey, you know, you never know. It's, it could be a little tough. This isn't like Matt LaFleur saying about Jordan Love, let's limit our expectations. This is Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. And actually, I think the world of Jordan Love, I think he's, they're going to be pretty good. Uh, it, I, I guess it's just, it's May. You just got to say something, I suppose, and you tell the media, hey, you know, let's use a fancy term about potential, but uh, they should be hitting the ground running, we'll say, when the season begins, given the familiarity with the system. Absolutely. You don't have 14 to 1 odds being the New York Jets if there's not a lot of high expectations and growing pain. Watch out for those Patriots, though, tell you that. Look out. Hey, Michael Lombardi would tell you the same. We're going to take a quick timeout here. When we come back, kicking off our two previewing the two NBA games coming up tonight, the defending champions in the NBA, Golden State Warriors, on the brink of elimination. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 